Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have the one and only the inimitable Marta Spurk on the show. This woman is unbelievable. You will not believe her story. So make sure that you, number one, that you share this out. And number two, you share it out again. And then number three, stay with us because we'll be right back with Marta Spurk. And we are back. Let me bring Marta on. Marta, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you here. I, I like, I watched your TEDx talk, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But wow, 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 you're amazing. And I want to say thank you to our our buddy, um, Amy Lee Westervelt, right? Mm-hmm. And um, thank her for for connecting us you're amazing so um marta i i started this show it's just a few days over four years ago wow. that i started this show um and it was it, it literally was probably for selfish reasons um but, right because i was going through some crap and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna start interviewing people and listen to their crap <laughs> maybe it'll help me with my crap and so that's what, that's what this is about. Is it's about breaking through those walls that we all hit in life. We all do. Nobody gets out of here without going through some yeah. crap in life. So um, let's talk about you. Where where start with where you were born and raised, and then we'll talk about some of your crap. Oh my crap! That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you again for having me on. I'm super excited to talk. I have. Um, I know you're known for asking some deep questions and going through lots of life stories, and I'm all for it. So I'm excited. Um, awesome. I'm from Brazil originally, born and raised, wow. and uh, a lot of my life was consumed by a passion for the English language and the American culture. And for several years, I was trying to figure out where this came from. And through my business the last few years, I've been able to sort of pinpoint it, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But from a young age, I was very passionate. Obviously, there's huge influence of American culture all over the world. But yeah. in Brazil, knowing my reality, I know music, movies, all of that. And I was I've always felt very drawn to it. And from a young age, I want to say when I was around five years old, my mom started um, re receiving ministry from an American pastor. And that evolved into her starting her own church. And then being wow. the one that hosted that American pastor and several other ministers associated with him in her own church with large conferences. So I began getting involved. I knew English enough that I could communicate. And at 14, I helped my mom with the translation of a book of this minister's book into Portuguese. Um, and then soon enough, I became the official interpreter. So that was my career. And it was because of church. I found this desire to help out because I knew the language and I was very passionate about the message. And that's what my bachelor and master's degree were from, were all linguistics, translation. I still work as an interpreter, by the way. Wow. I got certified with the courts here in Colorado. And I have um, also, I'm also recognized in Utah and in uh, Arkansas. And, but, so, Forgot. I was going to jump into the triplets, but let's let me backtrack. Yeah. I met my husband in this minister's church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in 2005, and I started going to these conferences uh, with my mom because that was the thing. They started coming down to Brazil, going down to Brazil, and then we started coming and visiting, which was such a huge, you know, culture shock for us um, coming to the United States to attend a conference. Usually, when people from another country come to the US, they go to Disneyland, 
they go to Vegas and yeah. we were not doing that. We were going to Tulsa, like nothing, <laughs> you know, from Middle Brazil to Tulsa. From Brazil to Tulsa. Oh my God. <laughs> it was pretty insane. I mean, our, our fun was going to the Walmart across from the Hilton across the street from Oral Roberts university. Like that is what we were doing. And that oh is where God. I met my husband. Um, and then we dated long distance for like five years. And it was like, we're either doing something about this or we're not. So I got married, I moved to the US, and then uh, five years later, we were blessed with triplets. But I'll stop there and then you can ask me some questions. Yeah, we're gonna we'll get to the, the triplet story is unbelievable. But um so so coming from now, you know what one of the things I know, and I told you in a text message we were having with Amy Lee, I'm like, you have no accent, like none. <laughs> Can you still speak Portuguese? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I do. Like, you have no accent. It's unbelievable. So 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 you um when so when was your first trip to the US then? How old were you? Well, the first trip was to Disney. Uh we went to Miami then Orlando and I was 10. Oh, okay. And I remember being just super marveled. I remember at, there was one specific episode because I was always very particular about speaking English. That that I don't consider myself a perfectionist, but when it comes to English and languages in general, because I speak French too, is I, I don't I don't want people to recognize that I'm not from here. For whatever reason, that is what was in my head, and I feel like I've accomplished that. <laughs> you have for sure, for sure. So that's funny. You remind me of my wife. Her her um she, that was her major in college was, was French Ooh. and languages. And she went to Paris and studied for, she's, yeah, she speaks fluent French. Thanks. So, so, um, which is pretty amazing. I, I don't <laughs> like <laughs> at all, like nada. That's, and that's the extent of my, my Spanish is nada. So, um, <laughs> I know how to say no in Spanish. There you go. <laughs> Anyway, um, so, so, so I, so your first trip, you were 10 ish and you came over and you were mesmerized. How long were you here? Probably a week or so. Yeah, a week or so. We, we did like the rounds, Universal Studios, Bush Gardens, all that stuff. And there was one specific episode that I hold dear is that we went to Epcot and I was, had my little passport going to all the countries so that they would stamp it. And the one guy asked me, how old are you? And I was just beginning like learning more English. I was 10. Yeah. And I thought he said, how are you? <laughs> and I remember beating myself up because I said, fine, thanks. And he was like waiting for me to say <laughs> my age, you know, and I just kept playing that in my mind. Like, how could I miss that? Like, that's so basic, you know, but that's how. I, how passionate I was to like communicate and to eventually live in the United States. Like I had that desire already. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but it was there. <laughs> Maybe he had some weird New York accent. Maybe. Or Who knows? And it wasn't just, my fault. It didn't register. <laughs> wow. It's so funny that you're still hanging on to that though. <laughs> Yeah, we need speaking of Disney, the song Let It Go, you know, maybe <laughs> I know, maybe it's time, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's time. So, so, um, and then, and, and when did you come back to Linda Ann Barber says, Don't pick on us, New Yorkers? Um, I, I'm not picking, it's just right. the, there's an accent. Linda doesn't have a New York accent, by the way, but anyway, um, so when was it that you came back? to Tulsa. Yes. So and that was, I, I'm, let me see if I, so your mother was being, um, th there was a minister that was helping your mother with her ministry. Yeah. And, and that was, he was from Tulsa. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then you guys ended up in Tulsa at some point. How old were you then? I believe I was 14. It was in 2001. She came by herself the first time with a friend in 2000. Okay. And the following year, because they had conferences twice a year. And at one point they had conferences three times a year. And we were coming to all of those. Wow. So, yeah. so Tulsa's a lot like Miami. Right. <laughs> and Sao Paulo, where I was born. <laughs> yeah, right. So that has got to be a huge culture shock. Huge. I mean, it's like night and day different. Yeah. 
But wow. we were there for the message, really, right? It wasn't for the fun of it. Although I did have fun, like going to the malls. It, it was more of like the reality of living in the United States, I think. <laughs> and when you, which was to me what I kind of was preparing for, what I wanted to have, you know? So it didn't bother me that much because it was still, I was missing school, which I liked and also didn't like because I don't like missing school. But um, it was over like spring break and fall break, the conferences. And we don't have that in Brazil. So I remember I'd have to miss some days. So you missed it, but not really. But not really. Because <laughs> it was a fun adventure to say I was in the U.S., you know, to my friends. Right, right, right. So, so you were 14 and then, and you sounds like you were back and forth for throughout your teenage years to Tulsa, <laughs> not Ohio or any, just, you were in Tulsa. That's crazy. Wow. Um, I've driven through Pat on the outskirts of Tulsa once it took like three and a half minutes, I believe <laughs> to get to get all the way through. So, so you, um, so, uh, and when did you, so during one of these trips, that's when you met your future husband yes. and he was from Tulsa. No, he's from Nebraska originally. He's kind of been around, but he was from Nebraska. His parents were divorced and his dad attended that church. So it was kind of a uh, funny thing because the four years that I had attended the church before meeting him, I knew his dad and he stood out a lot. We used to call him like the celebrity because he had big blue eyes. He was very, very loud. And then when I saw his son, I was like, oh, it's that guy's son. And it's like it instantly kind of drew, drew my attention because I knew who his dad was. Mm. But he was very friendly too. He had seen my picture. So that's something else that's fun about the story is that the church had pictures of uh, people that visited the church from around the, around the world. So they had like a map. Yeah. They had a picture of me with my mom and my sister. And my husband had already seen that. And he mm. was kind of interested. He says like his own version of the story is that he always liked Latina women. And so when he saw our picture, he <laughs> thought I was way too young. And he was like, oh, maybe the older sister. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> because. I, I've always looked younger than my age and yeah. my dad is actually older than him. Um, so anyways, once we got to talking, then he realized he was really in love with me, not her. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. So you're like, not my sister. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. So, so, and, and about how old were you when you made that connection? I was 18. 18. Okay. Wow. Pretty crazy. Um, and did you, did you, so you graduated high school, I'm assuming. Did. Yeah. Um, did you go to college? I did. So when I met him, I was just starting out. I had just gotten my driver's license. I remember that because in Brazil, you get your driver's license at 18. And so he was driving us around. That was the nice thing is that once church was done for the day, we usually hung out at the hotel unless some good soul American would invite us to go somewhere. <laughs> like to Walmart. <laughs> we walked to Walmart because it was right next to there, but like malls and stuff. No. Oh gosh. All right. So so um <laughs> he would he would drive you around to go to Walmart and other places. Another um, fun what a what a romantic love story. <laughs> um <laughs> filled with romance like hey i need some shampoo from the walmart can we run over um so so and and this these trips were just a couple what how long were they Did, were you all here so it was a week long we usually get oh. in i think on saturdays the conference started like sunday night and it went through friday and then we okay. would usually leave on the following saturday to come home on sunday go back to school monday okay um so and you went to college in Brazil. I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you finish college in Brazil? I did. So I earned my bachelor's in translation there. And then after mm -hmm. I got married and moved, because then my husband was living in Colorado at the time when we got married, I got moved it. to Colorado and then I got my master's here at UC Denver. Wow. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> anybody ever tell you you're an underachiever and you need to um, up your game a little bit? So. <laughs> 
You're like, no, nobody's ever said that. Um, so, so you, you moved to, so you moved, you got married and moved to Colorado. I did. Wow. I'm glad it wasn't Tulsa. <laughs> I mean, I would have been grateful, but, uh, this is better. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so funny. I'm glad it wasn't Tulsa as well for you. So there, um, they have a lot of tornadoes in that area. I know. That's all I know is I'm no, I'm never Oklahoma. So, so, um, so you, and you're in Denver, right? Okay. So, um, what happens when you, okay, so you get to, you're married now. You're how old? 18, 19, 20? No, 23. How, it took a couple oh, years. 20, okay, 23. Look, <laughs> even Mikey, Mikey says he's glad it wasn't. <laughs> Thank <Tulsa> you, Mikey. <laughs> We're going to have some haters from Tulsa. I know. On here going, what? What's wrong with Tulsa? Um, so, so you're 23. Okay. And you're, you're a college grad. You're in Denver. Mm -hmm. obviously you speak perfect English at that point, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, which is just unbelievable because English is a second language to you. Yes. Yeah. Portuguese is, is first. It's first. Yes. That's crazy. You have no accent. Can you show us, give us an accent. Come on. Well, I got to say when I'm like tipsy, the accent comes out. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll give you that. Wow. Or some words. Oh, my sister was just saying that because fun fact, my sister ended up marrying somebody she met at that church as well. And coincidence, he was also living in Colorado. He's from Wyoming, but he was living in Colorado. So wow, I live close by to my sister, which is such a blessing. But she was just saying how some words are kind of hard to pronounce and our husbands already know because they've been around. But when you talk to somebody <laughs> They're like, what are you saying? I know I say some words incorrectly. And some people will point it out and say, oh, I, I noticed you had an accent, which kind of rubs me. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't. I rebuke <laughs> you. It's something that I guess. Well, what are some of the words? I got to hear the accent. I still have not heard your accent. Well, I've been noticing, listening to myself at times, like um, I've been talking about six figures a lot. And instead of saying figures, I say figures. There's uh, words that I say, like radar, and I know it's radar. So there's some words that I say. Uh, <laughs> but it, that, it, it won't take long, and that'll be a thing of the past, too. I just right. I have that feeling about it. you. So, so that's incredible. I, I, I mean, look, I think that, and my wife, my wife talks about this all the time, because in America, you know, they don't even start language mm -hmm. until, like, almost what high school i right. believe um which is crazy like other other um is <laughs> well my buddy joe ingham is that the lady with the ted talk yes um so you know but in other countries they start uh, you know immediately as soon as you're right. in school like hey you're learning another language um so talk about you got to um colorado you got your master's degree in what Linguistics, applied linguistics. Uh, of course. Um, yes. So, so wh what did what do you do with that degree? Did you get a job? Well, once I graduated, my dad convinced us to move back. So, to where? To Brazil. <laughs> what? <laughs> what you yeah. and your sister, or you and your husband? Well, she had just got married. After two years, she married and moved to america and fun fact this is open i've told her this um i felt kind of betrayed because my family wasn't happy when i got married and left obviously and now i've kind of binged 90 day fiance have you seen that show no okay so there's a thing where you can get a visa uh as a fiance visa are you familiar with that at all <laughs> no okay no but just real quick in order for somebody from another country to move to the United States in a legal fashion, not with a tourist visa, fall in love and then get married. There is something called a, a fiance visa where you get 90 days to then get married, but you have to apply. You have to have a sponsor. It's a bunch of stuff. I, I didn't do that, but now watching those shows, 
it's clear why a family would be concerned when somebody wants to up and leave to another country with somebody else. But because I was living it, I was like, no, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. My family wasn't happy because I come from a well-off family. I was in a very good condition. Ex exterior wise, it seemed like I had it all, but I wanted to experience the world and living, you know, in a strict conservative family. I didn't have a lot of opportunities. My opportunity was I am going to marry somebody. <laughs> Somewhere From that Brazil. I love. Oh, that you you mean you mean your in your mind, my in my mind, yeah. So uh, they weren't happy, and they thought it wasn't going to last. In fact, the masters was kind of like the plan B. That was the agreement with my parents. It was like at least get something out of this. <laughs> oh my gosh! So it was like if the marriage doesn't work, then at least you get a degree, come back. That was what my my dad essentially proposed. But then when I graduated, he was like, come back anyways with the husband, because then we can kind of take care of you and, you know, you, you can be around. And I was like, fine, let's try it out. And that's when I started trying to have a baby. Uh, Wait, so your husband was like, okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it took a while for him to be okay with the idea. He went to Brazil. We went to Brazil for a friend's wedding and my dad took him around his company and it was like, this is what you could have and take over. This is what we do. Like there were conversations around the fact that he was living his entire life behind. But in a way, it, it felt like really like a commitment of him to me because I done it and then he had his turn to do it. And it was interesting to see him in the vulnerable position. I mean, not interesting. I don't want to say interesting, but I don't know what to say. It was... It was kind of like a testimony of love in some ways for him to go from America, having so many different things to his favor, to going to Brazil and not speaking Portuguese at all. He learned there. What so. is it with women needing us to prove our love all the time? <laughs> Wait, hey, let me move to a country I've never even been to before. Let's go. Just so I can prove that I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> well, he'd been there before. And it wasn't like we were going to live in bad conditions. Like, right, we, right, right. You know, we were set up and it, it was it was like an experiment. He's yeah. inviting us. We'll see where it takes us. Um, ultimately, I didn't want to stay. Once I came back, I was the one that decided to move back like that. Push the decision. Yeah, because I didn't adapt to the culture anymore. But wow. Yeah. Is it that different? Yes. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the mentality, the way things work, just, I mean, the opportunities, even having money, you don't have access to things or you're just very secluded because of safety. It's, it's is, crazy. It's, it's, so there, is there just, is there a lot of crime and violence yeah. then? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Now, Brazil is Brazil. Brazil's not a third world country. It is. Though, right? is it really? Yes. So it's, yeah. it's a poor country. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. There's lots of wealth. I learned this last time that I visited. We spent Christmas, uh, last Christmas, and I was, I forget where I was, but there was a little video playing talking about, I think it was like a, what is it called? We don't have this here, but it's like a notary office where you get stuff done, whatever. So they were talking about Brazil and saying that the, there's a large concentration of billionaires in Brazil. But a lot of that, though, is attached to corruption. So that's that's that. That's lots of wealth. There's lots of wealth, lots of corruption, too. So that's why it doesn't move forward. <laughs> you see what, what Joe says? I wonder what hubby has to do now to prove his I love. know. Well, he would probably say he's already been doing some stuff with me and my uh, wild business ideas. But Yeah, and they're awesome. We're going to get into some of that. So, so um, all right. So you go to Brazil. How long were you down there? Three years. You really, yeah. and your husband worked for your dad. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, you decide we're moving and I'm sure that they were just joyful to see you depart Brazil again. Yeah. We didn't even <laughs> say goodbye in person. My mom cried on the phone. It was that bad because oh. we had the babies, right? Oh. They were nine months old and my mom just cried on the phone and said, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Hold it. You okay? We got to back up. Then you had the babies in Brazil, and the healthcare system in Brazil. How is it? 
it was pretty good. We had okay. good insurance. We went to a good hospital uh, in the capital because I didn't live in Sao Paulo. We lived kind of like in the sub suburbs, uh, which was hard traffic wise. Anyway, yeah. but it was it, it was great for especially for having high risk pregnancy. I don't know what the experience would have been like here in the U.S. with triplets, but yeah, I can't really complain. It was great. So um, let's go to the that. Let's go to the story of the triplets. That I said that. How insensitive of me. Um, so you you are living in Brazil. Are, are, now, did you have your own place or were you living? No, at, we had our own house. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, um, so like, um, so you get you get pregnant yeah well can i just backtrack for a second please you yes me, you tell the story you 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 said so you graduated and then you got a job i said no i moved back to brazil yes so it's been kind of yeah. like a pattern like i do something for a few years and i was like bored let's do something else yeah and so that's kind of what it was going back to brazil because before so i graduated i got my bachelor's and i was full-on teaching english in different schools, like language schools, I eventually got a job that I really loved. Um, well, this was after. Never mind. Getting confused. Um, I was <laughs> I was teaching English in different schools. So this is the thing: is that I got a bachelor's in translation, but it's really hard to get into the market as a translator and interpreter, being a young person, because there's people, you know, tenure people that have been doing it for years, and being yeah. a teacher is just easier. So then when I got my master's, my master's was more focused on teaching because that that's what applied linguistics really was. Language as a, uh, English as a second language, language acquisition, all of that. And uh, then we moved back to Brazil and I was kind of like back to square, square one, zero, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I had lost all my contacts. Nobody really knows me. And so I started teaching in a few schools again, but I knew that's not what I wanted. I already had like higher aspirations for myself. Like I'm not going to be a little teacher, you know, yeah. there's more for me. Um, and then I got this job that I really loved. That's the part uh, that was helping um, Brazilian high school students apply to American universities. And that was so close to my heart because it was almost like I was going with them, you know, like I, I wanted to go and I'd never had the, the, undergrad experience that was something that i resented a lot because my parents would have never allowed me to yeah. do undergrad by myself you know campus <laughs> parties like that was not a thing i had a friend that got a tennis scholarship uh at um u unf is it north florida yeah and i was like oh it should have been me anyway um so i was kind of living vicariously through those kids in a yeah. way and staying connected to the u.s and that's when i got pregnant and i had to basically tell them once I knew it was triplets too, I'm not coming back. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So, so you, um, so there's this, this hidden little party girl in there somewhere yeah. that didn't get, oh, yeah. <laughs> there is. Oh my gosh. So, so, so you were, okay. So you got, then you got pregnant and, um, talk about, you know, I have, um, my brother and his wife had twins and they had, what's that called? Twin to twin transfusion syndrome or something when like they're identical. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so they had, you know, they had issues in the pregnancy yeah. and, and triplets, I can't even imagine. So talk about some of, of that. Yeah. Um, well, the challenges you faced. First of all, uh, Usually people assume that when it's multiples and especially triplets, which is even rare, um, that there that is IVF because that's what most people understand. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's not what I did. Being in this situation, there are several steps until you get to IVF. Like you try different resorts and if nothing works, yeah. you go to the most expensive and the whatever riskier, uh, which is IVF. And so. After a year of trying and having very regular cycles, I decided to go and talk to a specialist. I had a friend that was in her late 30s that did the same thing. And yeah. so I was like, well, she got pregnant. It worked out. There's no shame in going and talking to this guy. So I did all of the exams. My husband did all of the exams. And it was determined that I had a mild case of endometriosis mm. and uh, PCOS, so polycystic 
I'm very relaxed. Yeah. And uh, and that's why I wasn't uh, ovulating and it was just not happening. So the first thing was I had to do like a laparoscopic surgery to correct the endometriosis and then start taking shots, which later on I learned in the US people take pills, something like called Clomid, which uh, overstimulates the production of eggs mm. because I wasn't, it wasn't happening, you know, so that's usually what happened. So I was administering shots to myself and going to the doctor every other day to get ultrasounds to see if the eggs were growing. Wow. And so it was a whole process, you know, it was very intense because I was having to go there all the time and having this guy look at it. And, and I thought, <laughs> thanks Joe. Um, and, uh, and then what we actually did, it wasn't insemination either. It was something called uh, scheduled intercourse where it was like, now he says, the doctor says, this is the time where, you, where it's, you're going to ovulate and this is what's going to happen. After two weeks of that, take the P test and see if it happened. And it did. And I was like, oh my gosh, it finally, I finally got the positive test, took blood test, was pregnant indeed. And then when I went in for the first ultrasound, I actually went in by myself because it was in the middle of the week. I already knew I was pregnant for a couple of weeks. You know, I had been going there every other day. And that's when I was five weeks pregnant. He sees three. And I didn't know what I was seeing. I'd never been pregnant before, you know, and he's right. like, oh, there are three. Doesn't mean they're going to take. It's very early on. There's no heartbeat. So let's wait a couple of weeks and see what happens. And I left there in tears. Like, that's not what I was. My whole dream. And if you've watched my TED talk, I talk about, you know, I wanted to have natural water birth, breastfeed for a million years. Like I read all the books. I had all right. the expectations. And that's and the prize for me. They don't make a what to expect when you're expecting three. Do they they? Don't. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So that was tough, I think, emotionally. Um, and then understanding the risks involved, like early on learning your babies are most likely going to be in NICU. Like nobody prepares you when you're trying to get pregnant. There's a chance that they're going to stay in the hospital after you give birth, you know? Yeah. And I had to learn all that. And then learning the whole breastfeeding situation while they're at the hospital and then connecting with other moms that were pregnant with triplets, learning that sometimes they, they lose one of the babies in utero. Uh, sometimes they have preterm labor at 26 weeks and the babies stay in the hospital for three months. And it was a lot, honestly, emotionally. And now I see that my journey in starting my business was a journey of me choosing to process all the emotions that I suppressed because I was so afraid that they would interfere with the situation if that makes sense. Wow. Not to mention what, what Joe just said. I mean, you are like, you're short one of the apparatuses needed to. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And for everything, legs, arms, um, oh it's, it's so intense. Um, that is intense. Yeah. Like they, I've never seen a triple harness or any, like, no, there is. how do you carry three babies at once? You don't. What I did was I would carry one like for walks until I actually got a triple triplet stroller, whatever, which was in America later on when we moved, I had like a double stroller and I carried one of the babies that was my girl was always smaller, oh but gosh. you know, it was just hard doing things on my own. And then I choose to move back to America when I definitely am doing things on my own. But it, it's kind of what I wanted <laughs> to not have people tell me what to do. It's a thing. You're like, you're such a rebel. I love that. So <laughs> don't tell me what to do. Watch me. I'm going to take three kids all by myself. And mm -hmm. wow. So, so you, and you ended up back in Colorado. Yes. Okay. Um, so, um, and your parents are, we'll just say not happy with you at yeah. least at that time. Yeah. Um, and your decision-making process. So, um, where, where did things go from there? I mean, what was your, like what your husband, I'm assuming worked or did something in, in Colorado? Well, so that was something else interesting is that he, really left everything that he had because 
we were thinking we're going to build our lives in Brazil. That was the thought process. We're going to wow. take over that business. We're going to, you know, build something. But the reality was not that. And that's where the culture shock came in. Mm. You know, my dad had already built something. He wasn't looking for somebody to revamp. And that right. was what my husband had in mind. But he didn't really have knowledge of the industry. So it was kind of like two sides of it. You know, you got this person that's built a business of 30 years yeah. that knows the ins and outs, that has connections and contacts. Right. And then you have somebody else that is not in the industry, but is young and very hardworking. So ultimately, part of the reason why we left was because it didn't work out and the expectations that we had were not, you know, met. That and uh, your husband's not from Brazil. Exactly. And so to him, a lot of what he would see in the way people work bothered him to his core. Because, I mean, he's a Midwest guy. He wakes up at four in the morning. He works with no lunch break. And then you got people taking naps after lunch. That In Brazil. In Brazil, yeah. <laughs> what? I'm moving to Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. So, so you come back and he's, so what's he start doing? Yeah. So he came back and we were kind of, he was kind of lost career wise. He had a friend mm. that owned a couple Jimmy John's and he got a position as a manager mm-hmm. and he was working like, I don't know, 60 hours a week, wow. opening a store, living on monsters and Snickers. And I was at home trying with, to make work three babies three until wow. he quit that because it was like, I'm not going to say that the epitome of my life is making sandwiches in 30 seconds. Um, he had kind of like a falling out there. He's very ambitious like I am too. So that's, that's yeah. that. And then he had another friend who had made a career for himself as an electrician. And he said, our company is uh, accepting apprentices. This is what you should do. It's going to set you up for life. And he took it to heart. He just finished his, his apprenticeship last year. He got his license in January. Wow. He's moved up quite a bit in the company and you know, he's really hardworking. So people recognize that. Yeah, and he's yeah. really happy now because this is the kind of work for him. You know, he likes to get his hands on stuff and fixing yeah. things. He's not an office guy. And that's what he kind of had in Brazil that did not fit. It did not suit him. Yeah. So he's, he's pretty happy now. That's awesome. We need more people in the trades. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. And electricians and plumbers live in ginormous houses. That's all I know. <laughs> like they're doing okay. Um, so, so, and then you, so here you are, um, master's degree from a pretty well-to-do family. It sounds like, um, living in Colorado with your husband working at Jimmy John's and you're, you're, you have three babies. Um, what in the world was going through your head? I mean, because like there has to be some sort of, I would imagine, I'm imagining here, so correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. but identity loss, self-identity loss. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it too was, this was his idea. It was that you have a master's, I have nothing. Why don't you go find work or see what you need to do to become licensed to be a teacher. Mm. And then I'll stay with the kids. And I instantly said, no, I was like, no, this is my first experience of motherhood. I don't want to be working. I want to be around. But then as you know, the plot thickened, I started realizing I did want to do something, but it wasn't teaching, but I didn't know what it was either. And that's where, you know, dabbling online, I found, network marketing. And I was like, Oh, this sounds like a good idea. Cause I could do both. I could mm. be with my kids and I could earn money. Yeah. But obviously I started understanding that it took a lot more time and commitment than they make it seem like, Oh, work 20 minutes a day on your phone and you're going to have a million clients and you're going to make a bunch of money. And that was a real source of contention in my marriage for the first few years is because I was like, just let me try it for one more year and I'm going to make it work. I'm going wow. to make more money. And he was like, this is crazy. You need to be doing something else. So that's why parallel, you know, simultaneously to that, I was pursuing the interpreting. So I went and uh, it was actually a fun, funny, um, a great way. I'm glad that it happened that way instead of me doing like community interpreting. Mm-hmm. The, the Brazilians in my community knew that I speak spoke 
good enough English and that I had worked with that in the past. And they started referring me to help with like attorney meetings and things like that. And that's where I went to an attorney's office to interpret for this lady. And the attorney asked, are you certified? And I was like, no, I don't know what that is. And he's like, you should look into it. Uh... Well, so I started looking into the judicial systems website, went to an orientation, went through the whole process. Um, and then I started making like $45 an hour. Granted, it wasn't that much because Portuguese is not as sought after as Spanish. But um, I'm the only certified court interpreter in Colorado for Portuguese right now. What? So people from all over the country find my name on the website and they call me, which is fun. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So I was doing that kind of to appease him to be like, no, I'm doing this other thing that is more related to my degree and making some money. So you don't feel so mad at me. But at the same time, I'll be figuring out what this other business situation is. Which was network marketing. Which was network marketing. And then I realized this is not it because I have higher aspirations. So that is when I decided I don't want to be one of the people in the network marketing. Granted, I know they make a bunch of money and go on to create their own personal brands and that's how they make money. Yeah. But I realized I wanted to be more of like a speaker, author, mentor that was hired by these companies. When I started seeing like the large events, I was like, I don't, I'm not meant to be in this audience or to be called up on stage to be recognized for three minutes. Hold on a second. I'm supposed to be hired to be encouraging the crowd, you know? Yeah. And I remember when I told him that he was like, that's going to take you years to be a motivational speaker. My husband you told did. your husband, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, got to start somewhere, I guess. And so I kept on doing stuff random, wow. you know, that got me closer to that vision now. <laughs> that is so incredible. Joe says, does she have a book? Yes, she does. Grab that thing. Let's show everybody. I'm going to give you full screen. The Empowered Woman, The Ultimate Roadmap to Business Success. So, so talk about, um, talk about that. Like, so it sounds like your husband is supportive, right? In his own way. (laughs) In his own way. Um, But he was like, what? Motivational speaker? Yeah. So the way that I see it now, it was hard for me to come to this. And I, and a lot of my work, um, has helped me understand his viewpoint. And this is really what I do now in helping women with understanding themselves so they can understand people around them and not take things as things as personally. I honestly feel like I married my husband to really learn how to not take things personally, because I tend to get offended if people are not full blast praising me. And Mm. that had to be yanked out of me somehow. And he loves me. He does everything for me. I mean, he drops, he dropped his entire life, you know? Yeah. But he's a very matter of fact person. He does not sugarcoat things. And he looks, he's a devil's advocate for everything, you know? And that's how his brain operates. I mean, he's an electrician. It works well in his favor. He's always looking for the mistakes because that's somebody's life, you know? Yeah, no kidding. So um, that's what this game has been the entire time is him saying, you know, whenever I'm celebrating something, he's like, well, but what about this? (laughs) And it's like, can't you just be happy for me? But now I see that he's keeping me grounded in a way because I tend to fly really high and think of all the ideas. And that's he has ideas as well, but he's more, you know, down to earth, which has brought quite a bit of balance. And now and that's something I bring up in my book, too. I see that in my parents as well, because my, my dad is, is an engineer mm. and my mom went the church route and they had lots of conflict in that sense as well. Cause he was like, you're building this, but it's a business. It's not just church. And she was like, no, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go and travel the world. And right. uh, he was like, I'm building your money comes from me. <laughs> you know, your, who's that? Your dad said that. My dad, yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> You're just living in La La Land, you know? So I see that there is that balance to that. And even though he's not the cheerleader in the front row, like sometimes you see other husbands doing, but I don't know what their relationships are like anyway. So I've been focusing on my own life. Uh, I know that the fact that, I don't want to say allow, because that's another thing. It's like, I allow you to do things. Um, 
he's been with me. He's been kind of fostering the dream, but always keeping an eye out for me to make sure I'm not doing crazy things. And I think his ultimate fear really, and we, we finally came to this conclusion or I came to this conclusion last year and it was a huge breakthrough for, for us is that he was feeling like I wanted to leave him. Like our life wasn't good enough. And that's why I was doing all of this. And when I realized that, because for a long time, I thought that his lack of cheerleading, not support, yeah. but cheerleading was because I, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And I know that if I was, it would have been a little different. But ultimately, his biggest fear was you just don't you, you think we're boring, right, to you. Mm. And you just want to go do all this other stuff. <clears throat> and I told yeah. him, I was like, no, I'm doing this to be able to enjoy what we have. And I, I feel like ever since then, honestly, ever since publishing the book, I have been more certain of what I want and what I do. And that includes having my family with me. And I, I I tell, and I think there are people watching right now that will confirm this. I tell everybody, you need to write a book. Yes. If you If you ever want to do anything significant, like as far as impact in the world, you need to write a book. <clears throat> and I remember when I wrote mine, I was like, I got to the point where I was like, I don't care if anybody ever buys one single copy. It doesn't matter. I right. just want to make sure I want to be, I want my story published. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what it ends up coming down to is like, you it just got to get it. And it's very cathartic too. So cathartic. And it, it still <laughs> continues on. I think it's been kind of, people say it's like birthing a baby, but I really acknowledge it as not only birthing, but like the postpartum process of <clears throat> this thing still exists what do i do with it now and yeah. owning that message like i am this person i can't just delete the post the book is out there you know what i mean <laughs> yeah right yeah so so when now when did you write the book i officially finished it summer last summer but i started Wait, how old are your babies they're six so they're no longer babies Wow. Um, and, and, and you have, what is it? Two boys and a girl. That's right. And, and no identicalness or yeah, they're all fraternal. Wow. Very different personalities as well. It's crazy. Wow. And wow, that is crazy. So, um, I, I can't even imagine like the, all of the things like Christmases and birthdays and wow. Yeah. It's a lot. And then they started kindergarten last year and it got even more involved. I can't believe all the emails I received from their school, <laughs> like oh field God. trip, this volunteer. And that's where I'm so grateful that I built what I have. Granted, if I was a stay at home mom, whatever, but I wasn't going to be a stay at home mom anyway. But if I had gone a different route, I wouldn't have had the flexibility to be able to help, you know, and to be around and, you know, a kid is sick from school. The odds are never in my favor, you know, Last couple of weeks ago, they took turns. Every week, somebody had to be picked up. And wow. I can do that. You know, it's obviously it's inconvenient, but I can do it. <laughs> right. Right. So <clears throat> let me ask you this. It's because what tell everybody what, what it is that you're doing now. Like, how do you make money now? Okay. And it's I not selling books. Trust me. I don't even right. have oh, to it's ask not. that. No, I, <laughs> no. I, hope, I hope Joe will be proud of me because he helped me with my, my mission statement. We had a meeting last week and he's like, well, it needs Joe to be Ingram? smarter than that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I love so it Joe. is. I help. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I have it. But I help women entrepreneurs um, increase their confidence to make more sales. That's what I'm focusing on. That. But the confidence piece is really big for me, obviously. Yeah. empowerment um, the end goal is making more sales because that's what we are in the goal of a business is to bring in income but to me what has always been more important is you learning to believe in yourself because that's been my journey <laughs> i love that so let me ask you what do you think and and i ask every guest this question um joe said yay you nailed it yay! um <clears throat> so what do you think um, holds people back in life from a couple of things? Number one, achieving real financial success. Yeah. 
Um, and number two, achieving freedom and happiness. And I do think they're related. I've been yeah. homeless before and, and having money is better. So um, what's holding people back? Don't say fear. That's the number one answer. And I, I think you can do better. <laughs> you, you're like, crap, I was getting ready to say fear. Um, but no, I mean, because I do think it's deeper than that. I, right. I do, but but uh, I, it's if it's fear, it's fear. But what's what's right. your opinion on this? Well, I was gonna break it down, break the fear down in three things. Okay. okay. So what I have been able to identify, um, and we all struggle with it, but I think some people, there are three different things, and some people struggle with one of them more than the others. But it's not be willing to take risks, which obviously is a fear of failure. Say confidence. I know. <laughs> Buy my book. The answers are all here. <laughs> Won't say it. Um, okay, so not be willing to take risks, right? Uh, which is something that I know I did a lot of by leaving Brazil, all the things, right? I, I was like the first one to say, give me all the risks, I will do it. And people that are not willing to do that, they yeah. are going to be uh, living in that box forever. And, you know, yep. you're not going to live forever. So you're going to have to step out. The second one is really um, a fear of not belonging of uh being rejected rejected i guess a fear of rejection we all struggle with that and one thing that um i learned recently or that ha was brought to my attention recently is the fact that rejection is always going to be present we, we are, are constantly rejecting rejected. other people too so yeah. whenever you feel rejected remember, you probably have rejected somebody today whether consciously or unconsciously it's just part of life uh, this guy i reject him literally every day of my life and he still keeps coming back. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He just won't quit. <laughs> well, that's good, right? The not the not quitting. That's Sometimes I think, why did I give him my cell phone number? What was I thinking? <laughs> I love it. And the third one is really uh, what holds people back is feeling like they're not enough, feeling like there's something else that they need to be doing. There's somewhere else that they need to be at. And I I can say for myself that that is the one that I struggle with the most. It's there's too many things, not enough time, like the idea that we don't have enough time, which is so contradictory because I just told you we're not going to be living forever. So go ahead and take the risks. But you can yeah. go on the other side of the spectrum and say there's so many things I want to do. There's not enough time. And there we have to be able to find that balance in knowing I am where I'm supposed to be, but I am constantly going to be challenging myself. I, you know, I interviewed Grant Cardone right after he did Undercover Billionaire. And I said, I said something like, I forget, I'm going to paraphrase, but I said, some, I asked him a question like, well, I mean, it's never too late, right? I mean, you can always like get going, you, you know, and I'm thinking Colonel Sanders, 66 years old and, you know, and, and he goes, I don't know. It might be, might be too late for some of, uh, some of you. And I was like, dude, that's not the answer I was hoping for. <laughs> like I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Because it might be. And I, you know, I thought about that later. And people just are 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 moseying through life like yeah. they got all the time in the world. And right? and 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 you don't. Yeah, you don't. And and you said something a second ago, Marta. You said, um, you know, you're not gonna live forever, so you're gonna have to step out. Yeah. The sad part is 99% of the world never steps out. Right. They want to, right? but they never take that leap. What is that thing that stops them? Do you know? Do you have any ideas? They don't know who they are. That's it. And nobody mm -hmm. can do that for them. People can tell you who you are, but until you know who you are, you're not going to step out because that's what it is. It's that faith, right? Of I don't have all the answers and I don't know all the details, but I'm going to start anyway. Yeah. And most people want to have all the answers and all the details. And we are never going to have either of those. So never. Right. Is the, the, in terms of like the risk taking is every day we open our eyes it's not even step out the door it's like you open your eyes you don't know literally what's going to happen but if that is going to stop you then what is life for right 
I, I gosh, I so agree. Well, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, being an entrepreneur, all the challenges that, that you're confronted with every single day. And I'm thinking, well, you have a hand up on, on a lot of entrepreneurs because um, if the, they come and turn your electric off, your husband can turn it back on. <laughs> so you're like, honey, <laughs> we'll need you to go out to the meter and fix that. So, so, so with, um, with the pandemic, you know, I, I know for a fact that like suicide rates worldwide just skyrocketed. Yeah. You know, if there's somebody watching that feels like they've done everything, they yeah. they don't know, you know, they're, they're hanging on to life by a thread and they're like, I've given it everything. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to step out. I don't know how to overcome the fear of stepping out and doing mm -hmm. it, that thing, whatever that thing is for, for that person. Um, what do you say to them to help them get through to the next moment and start taking bigger chances or risks? Or how can you help somebody do that? And by the way, before you answer that, I want everybody to make sure that they, I want your, your website up there, which is martaspurk.com. Um, make sure you're following this woman everywhere. Um, but so, so what do you think that, that, you know, you would say to somebody if they called you and said, I, I, I just don't know what else to do. I've done everything and I'm hanging on by a thread. Well, so there's a few things. Um, I believe the, the easiest way to encourage yourself is to remind yourself of things, of hard things that you've overcome. Um, that is something that to me equals <clears throat> empowerment is whatever it is that you're living right now, it seems like the hardest because you're in it. But you have gone through other things in life that seemed like the hardest, but you're not in it anymore. So they feel trivial. Going back to that <clears throat> and understanding that you can feel whatever emotion at any given moment if you prompt memories. That's the power of our brains, right? You can prompt the memories of achieving things, whatever they may be. And oftentimes we're like, oh, it has to be huge. Like I climbed Mount Everest. Wow. And it doesn't have to be, right? It's just, you know, saying no to that person when. Yep you'd never been able to do it before or, you know, getting a degree, finishing something, getting a job, quitting a job, whatever it may be. That's something that is an easy, like you can prompt good feelings about yourself and recognize yourself and pat mm. yourself on the back yourself. You don't have to wait for somebody to say, Hey, you did something amazing. Cause that's usually what we cling to. And believe me, I have been that person and I, it, still struggle with it, with wanting to get that validation and recognition. And like I said, that's why I'm grateful for my husband, because <clears throat> he has always said, it's like, I don't want you, I don't want your head to get too big. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because people are always praising me. People are constantly telling me that I'm amazing. And I have noticed throughout life that it has never been enough. And the reason that is, is because I hadn't taken the time to acknowledge it myself. So it's never going to be enough. Yeah. Um, so that's first thing. And then the other thing that's not as immediate that does take some time, but you have to start somewhere is what I said, getting to know yourself. Who are you? Right. And looking back at your experiences too, the things you have overcome, it plays a part in that as well. And that's a lot of what I talk about in my book. Uh, one of the main tools that have helped me that has helped me in this journey has been the Enneagram and understanding my personality type. So now, uh, Coming full circle, I've realized by understanding my driver, overachiever personality, that's why I've related to the U.S. so much. I don't ever want to be associated with the worst. I only want to do things that are considered the best. Excellence is my one of my first values. And that is where my husband and I are really, you know, match in that aspect is because he hates mistakes. <laughs> he And that's to a fault. He's not as much of a risk taker as I am in some senses because he hates making mistakes. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Thinking about progress and thinking about moving forward. Um, but anyways, so understanding my personality type and how I process life and how yeah. I see the world, like my lens, this is how you start understanding. This is what I'm really good at. This is how I can help people because not everyone in the world sees the world like I do. 
So yep. I can help those people. And then understanding your spouse, understanding your kids. And another reason why I've been passionate about this is because of my children. I, I have felt this weight of responsibility that I have three kids the same time and I, I don't get a do-over, right? So I need to make sure I'm fostering their talents and helping them grow all at the same time. How could I ever possibly do that if I don't do it for myself? And at times yeah. I have felt guilty, you know, pursuing this while they're growing. But especially after releasing my book and then having the the signing and having my kids and my husband be there present, I started realizing that it's not just about showing them what's possible, because that's what people say. I'm building this to show my kids they can do anything. Yes, totally. But yeah. what I understood, and I think Joe just said something is I'm going to have the experience of heartache. I'm going to have the experience of rejection so much. Yeah. And they're going through that in their little, you know, junior league, whatever. I'm like, friend. This is just the beginning. You know, I will yeah. know for sure that this is the path and I can help them because I know what it's like. Try ha try leaving your um your your parents in Brazil with your Christian mother swearing at you in Portuguese over the phone while she's crying. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But like I'm you know, that's that's gotta be stressful. Yeah. And, and you know, I I mean you don't even have like your accent is is so like like there are people from America that don't speak English as well as you do, <laughs> including Joe. I'm kidding. Um, so I'm just I'm totally kidding. I love Joe. He knows that we're we're really good friends. So, um, but you know, I I'm blown away by you. Would you grab your book and hold it up yes. one more time for everybody? So any anybody watching, uh, well any women watching the empowered woman, the ultimate roadmap to business success um, by Marta Spurk. And uh, I I'm sure it's an absolutely amazing book. Thank you. And what, so do you have any other books planned? Do you have any other um, things planned? I've been thinking about it. Well, and I will say that this is a book for men as well. Mind oh. you. Cause I, okay. I mean, I work with women, but the message really is get to know yourself, understand yourself. Yeah. So men can resonate with that as well. Um, yeah. As I was finishing up the book, I then realized, oh, this is how people write more than one book. Because there were other things I wanted to say that didn't really yeah. fit the scope. And my editor was very adamant about, this is not the message. And I was like, please, let me say this. Yeah. Um, which is, there's two different ideas that I have. Is one, mo even more focused on personality types. Because this is a brief introduction to the Enneagram. And I've gone on to create my own interpretation and archetypes. So yeah. I may dive into that or talking more specifically about marketing, how using this knowledge about yourself is so valuable for you then to promote your business and empower yourself and other people through your services and products. Cause that yeah. was what I wanted to fit in like the last chapter. And she was like, no, <laughs> I, I, I put empowerment marketing. She let me have that in one of the sentences. Wow. <laughs> but that's what I wanted to do next. Yeah. Well, I am sure. I mean, we didn't even touch on real fast. The Ted talk. How did that come about? Oh my gosh. So it was a dream. We almost, we almost forgot that. We did. We almost forgot. Wow. So I first thing when I started like veering off of network marketing and into the coaching space, I started getting blasted by people doing TEDx's and I was like, that's next for me. Yeah. And yeah. so in 2018, I applied to several of them. Um, and I actually got called back from one here in Colorado, but this was pre-pandemic and they were three hours away in Grand Junction, like past Aspen. And they wanted me to do an audition in person. And my babies weren't even three at the time. Oh, and yeah. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it. Can I do it via Zoom? They were like, no. And I was like, wow. damn it. So that was pretty devastating. But now I see that timing so much better right now. Anyways, my message is so much more, um, you know, solidified and I have a book too. But yeah. anyway, so what happened was people asked me, how did you get it? Finally is I got involved. I volunteered for an event. I sponsored a different event. And then by the time I applied, I, I really knew the people that um, were organizing it to the point where they've invited me to, you know, be a part of it now that it's done. I know I'll, I'll stay connected and I'll do more stuff with them as well, but that's how it was. And, um, uh, it was amazing to be able to, the way that they embraced me from the first training, they were like, show us your book, talk, talk to us about your book, bring your book, 
in the TED talk, mention your coaching in the talk, like all the things that you would think they'd be people would. And I know from other organizers and from other speakers that they make sure no promotion, no coaching. This is not personal development. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. These people really embraced me and they were like, you're phenomenal. And it was such a validation for me as well to know wow. that it's not just my clients or the coach that I pay that tells me I'm great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? So it was, yeah. it was amazing. That's a, that's, that's incredible. So awesome. So get involved. You want to do a Ted talk, get involved. Right. I, I, that's awesome. That's brilliant. You're brilliant. You're amazing. Whether your husband believes it or not, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I think you're awesome. And I, I love your energy, everything that you've accomplished. And, and there's so much more that I, I'd see in the future for you. So Marta, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your story and, and laughing a little bit and, yeah, so and was so fun. Uh, having fun. So um, everybody, if you didn't share this out, um, please redeem yourself and share this out. And um, and make sure you go over to martispurk.com and and is your social media all linked from there? I'm assuming. Yes, Instagram, so, LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. Facebook. Come find me. Say hi. All all the things. Go follow Marta everywhere. And Marta, if you'll hang on for me, I'm going to go ahead and end the live stream. And thank you to everybody for being here. And we will see you all later. Marta, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This is great.